All religion is a foolish answer to a foolish question by order of the Peaky Blinders. Welcome into our spoiler-free podcast breaking down every single episode of the 1920s family gang drama on Netflix and BBC. I'm your host, Daniel Gilman. And I'm Josh Levy. This is episode three of the third season, and Daniel... Things are heating up, things are heating up, and Tommy is losing his damn mind. I don't know if I like it. Tommy is Mr. Traveler, and he's on his traveling ways with our good old Johnny Dogs in this one as our rewatch continues, folks. If you guys are watching for the first time, we are not going to spoil anything. If you're watching for the ninth time, this is confusing. Hopefully we can uh, situate the business of the Russians between the Peaky Blinders and uh, the Section D for you guys. Go ahead and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at ByOrderOfPeaky. And as always, subscribe and follow. Remember, you could send us feedback. No feedback for this episode, but we've gotten a ton of feedback for the new season that we're currently recording with instant reactions. So as we continue to walk through that, we might even do a Season 5 recap coming up soon between Josh and I. So send your feedback from... Season 3 or Season 5, whatever you want, at bootpeakyblinders at gmail.com or on social media. Josh, this one is about Tommy traveling to Wales to seek absolution, uncovering a traitor in the Economic League, Michael developing a taste for guns, and Arthur getting good news. The description is pretty uh, spot on. That's basically uh, what happens, except we kind of uh, have a lot of major things that happen towards the last 20-25 minutes of the episode, I would say. A lot of things really picked up then. Tommy goes to Wales to uh, see Madame Boswell to see if the Sapphire is, you know, cursed or not. And he, he it's funny because he goes all the way to Wales and just wants the validation from a gypsy to say that it's cursed so he can move on with it. I think it's like a big turning point since the first two episodes. He, the, I mean, the last episode, he was going off the fucking rails and just in total solitude. But uh, he, he, moves, he moves onwards and upwards into some serious fucking shit, man. We see Tommy in his most broken, and we see Killian Murphy in his in his greatest acting job, maybe of the whole show, because he really shows so many emotions. We learn a lot about the history too, how Tommy spent a lot of nights out in the in the the forest when he when he does in the opening scene overnight, and Polly says Curly used to find him when he was a kid. So Curly's been around for yeah, a long time, Josh. That was, a, that was a nice little insight into like you know how old Curly might actually be, but. Uh... Yeah, you kind of see Tommy in a in a different life, uh, a little insight to to how he likes to get away, and he gets away and th- thinks a lot. I'm sure he was just thinking and thinking and thinking. He needed to get away, He's spending some time with Charlie. Well, Charlie's cute as hell, man. Charlie's uh, Charlie's getting some time with his dad. This was a big episode for the kids. It was Carl. You know, saying Carl, Carl had a line cursing, cursing because he's around. The, the fucking the pheasants, family. fucking pheasants, fucking pheasants, just just fa- <laughs> like father, like son. Am I right? And so obviously we've got this issue with the Changretas. We are fresh off of the murder of Grace Shelby, and Arthur took care of business, killing Angel at the hospital. They end up picking up Vincente and his wife at the Liverpool docks in a pretty neat move to trick him into going to the police, and then having the police go and. Heartbreak is as we see kind of John and, and Arthur start to gain a conscience, it seems, this episode, as Arthur's having a baby, so that conscience obviously was built up to now him being a father and he could be a better father, I think, than he was a uh, a hitman. 
or what do you call it, a bin man, whatever he wants to call it. I don't think Tommy's too thrilled that he's losing his head uh, attack dog, though. Yeah, he's. All, I think he in this episode he said that like, you know, Arthur's like Linda's like he's like he's like she's a good woman, Tom, and he's like, well, he's like Linda will go to heaven, like just like who fucking cares? Like sh- shut up. No, <laughs> no, it was not Linda. It was Miss. It was like, if she's a good woman, she'll go straight to heaven, won't she, Arthur? Right, right. Oh yeah, talking sorry, about Miss Chang Right, and like we saw like a, we we saw a conscious there out of uh out of John in that episode, and he stands up to he stands up to Tommy right away and. And he defies him because yeah. he doesn't kill Miss Changretta. <laughs> like, you know, when, like, John raises his voice, he has, like, a different tone. And he's like, do this, John. Do that. And he's like, kill your fucking <laughs> teacher, John. Yeah, it's just mocking. Do this, John. Do that, John. You know what? This was a big episode for Joe Cole, too. And uh, we know he's got a wider range of acting than a lot of other people in this show. He was in a fantastic uh, direct release movie about a boxer in a uh, Viet- Vietnamese prison that I saw that was fantastic, fantastic movie. Also, he was in one of the Black Mirror episodes, but he has to play blackout drunk when Michael starts to gain his own with the gun and Arthur helping him out with the gun. <laughs> it was so funny, man. And, I, w- I want to get hammered with uh, John one day, man. Yes, and John's great. He's hammered. He goes, watch out. That's to jumpy, to jumpy hammer. It's a jumpy trig. Watch out. That, that, that like, was really funny. Like, Michael. It's a Wembley. <laughs> it jumps on the trigger. Yeah, and in the beginning, they're not happy because the first thing Tommy does when he comes back from this uh, morning is talk to the legitimate business partners, and that's Polly and Michael. And then eventually he has Ada do something, which we find out is the communist research into one of Freddy's friends to find out that, indeed, Father Hughes is a spy infiltrating this Bolshevik deal with the Georgians and giving information to the Soviets, which may be lined up for our first ever scene in this season when the spy, the Russian spy, shows up with the wrong username. Yeah, this is crazy. It's really useful information. Like, low-key, Ada is the plug, man. Ada is really... And Ada gets a job a job offer out of this. Uh, she's in Boston. In Boston. She's Boston, America. She's wearing lipstick again. This, this, is, a, this is a pretty good episode for Ada. But uh, yeah, is Ada, is Ada? You think is Ada, Ada got a man right now? That was what know. he was referring trying, to, right? With the lipstick, she's trying to get a man because she's trying to she's trying to look hot, she's trying 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 to look hot for the man. But she tells it the tells Tommy that the name is uh, James Monklin of the guy that's passing the information for Father Hughes, and Father Hughes, man, what a scum! He just has the most punchable face in the entire world. Yep, and I loved at the end when Tommy is is in the meeting with Tatiana and and all the the big wigs and Father Hughes and. The MP Patrick Jarvis, and he goes, I just want it to be known on the record, I'm unable to swallow food in the same room as this priest. And he like pauses after every other word. It was great. Yeah, it was, and he's like in the middle of uh, lighting his cigarette. You know, he takes it out of the thing, puts it in his mouth, and he like finishes it with the cigarette in his mouth. But it's known, it's known out in the open now. There's no hiding it, there's no, you know, beating around the bush. They, these guys do not like each other. And Tommy lets it be known at the end of the episode, and he hands over that uh, the, the napkin to Isabella that says, I have secrets, and Isabella tells Tatiana to uh, see Mr. Shelby out. Oh, Tatiana's looking good in this episode. Looking so fine, and she's just got that, like, she has that delivery. She's just like, perhaps we didn't love her. Just boom. She doesn't care. She's not shy. And... Tommy tells Tatiana, you know, that Father Hughes is passing information and tells Tatiana to tell Isabella 
about the information and do what the hell they want to do with it. He doesn't want to be involved in the in, in the in the complexities of it. Yep, I'll kill him, no charge. Yeah, free of charge. All good, <laughs> free. I'll do it. Tell me right now, I'll do it right now. I'll walk in that room right now, I'll kill him. Yeah, another great part of that final scene when they're all sitting around the dinner table, Tommy's always showing up late to dinner, and Father Hughes is like, let's have a great meal, and Tommy's like, I am here. What I have to say can be said before the the main the main course and then he gives the one piece of the report to Isabella who's the you know the big the big pants wearer in the family and they're like so what did your father do Tommy we heard you're big on cars and he's like well he was a thief and a fortune teller yeah he's like he's, he he often yeah. told a man that his horse would be stolen and they would marvel at his powers when it was i love that beautiful that was my favorite beautiful. line he's like you want to hear stories i'll tell you stories yeah, no, it was uh it was great. It's always like nice to have a little insight into some family history of the Shelbys when we we don't really have all that much information. But uh, Father Hughes gets owned, and he says, "Can we say grace?" And I thought that that was a jab at Tommy. Oof. I mean, obviously he says grace before meals, I'm sure, but he did that on purpose. He really. And did. then going back to the beginning, talking about grace, Tommy's obviously fed up about all of this illegal business, and he wants the gypsy, the madam to convince him, her name was Madame Boswell, to convince him that his sapphire isn't cursed. And he, Arthur says, since when, you like this, since when is legitimate business go before us? And what does Tommy say? He's like, it's always been about legitimate business, right? No, he says, since my wife took a oh, bullet meant oh, for me. I didn't know it was like right after that. And he like, no, he yells that. Yeah. He doesn't just say that. Yeah. He screams it. Since my wife took a fucking bullet that was meant for me. Like, yells it. Yeah, he's not doing well. His conversations with Charles were not not fun to watch. He's like, Charlie, you're asking about your mama. She's gone. We have pictures that he puts away the pictures. He's like, we've got clothes, but it's just me and you. And I'm not cut out for this. Basically when he goes out on, he goes out with, Oh, it's a great one. When, when they're all sitting around the servants quarters and Polly's yelling at Arthur and John for cursing, Carl ends up getting in on the cursing and Michael gets called out by Arthur. And he says, fuck off Arthur. And Arthur freaks out, freaks out. And luckily, it was one of those like, "Oh, I'm drunk. I'm gonna fuck with you, psychats." Where he's like, "Ah, oh, it's just the, it's just the whiskey." And they take him shooting. And then all of a sudden, Finn comes in, and he yells, "Tommy's gone with Johnny Dogs to Wales." Just dipped. Just got out of Dodge with Johnny Dogs. Johnny Dogs along for the ride. That was Finn's. Finn. Finn. Finn just out of nowhere, just dropping, dropping some, uh, dropping some information. And that's right when Polly's talking about how important it is. All we need is unity with our family. And just like that, the family gets broken up again. And this is my Johnny Dog's line of the episode. You get one of them. Johnny goes, did you tell him why you're going to Wales? No. At some point, you're going to tell me why we're going to Wales? <laughs> <laughs> he has no clue. He's along for the ride. It's like Tommy's like, who's the one person that I'm down to just go on a road trip with right it now? It feels like the curly one from last season. Remember when, it does. He, got, when he got beaten to death by... Uh, by Sabini, and he had to go meet with Solomon's. Yes, yes, yes. I do, I do recall that. Yeah, he's just like you know, Johnny Dogs. You're someone who would be good company. And Madame Boswell is exactly what I would uh, think a gypsy, like you know, witch would look like. And she's drops knowledge on Tommy, and he moves on from the sapphire. Then we have the the shooting scene. Anything that you liked about that scene that really had Michael feeling like he finally was one of the boys? Yeah, I mean. Polly comes in and tries to stop it, and he looks to Polly and he's like, "I'm not a fucking kid anymore." Like, and he's he's serious about it. He wants he wants to get on it, and then that was intense with the the, the jumpy trigger. Like, 
pointing the gun at everyone's head, like thought something bad was gonna happen. I mean, it was it was intense. It was very intense, and it was very well done. And Arthur goes on this, you know, this this tirade, and I I wrote it all down because it was really like deep and well thought out and whatever. And he said, when you pull that trigger, and the body of the man you you shot wraps itself around your ankles, they pile up. It gets to, it gets to the point where you can't walk in a room without a load of them with you. And that's when Polly comes in. And it was like basically telling Michael, this is this is how this is how life is gonna be if you want to go this way. And he also says, Better than having a pen in your hand, isn't it? Yeah. More like having your cock in <laughs> your hand. Cock, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. No, it was done in a very Arthur way. It was it was it was perfect. And he was shit faced as well. Yeah, there John was super drunk, and then they go right into that factory where our dude D- Dagmar Klefjaw, our, our, our ultimate character actor, the foreman, is bitching. Because this woman in a huge, what, fur dress or fur fur coat shows up like the Queen of Sheba. <laughs> and he's like, everyone's going to fucking find out. And Arthur's like, we know about the woman. We are handling it. And they're making him fire all the communists on the night shift, which we find out at the end is because what they're going to do is they're going to rob these, these armored trucks, these tanks, this ammunition. They're going to take it out in the middle of the night during the middle of this massive strike. And then they're going to firebomb the factory so that nobody knows that it was gone. Right. They're just going to write it off as salvage is what they say. So they won't even look into into the tanks. They'll just think that they're, part of, you know, they're just carnage of the explosion. So Tommy's got everything planned out to 18. And he recounts it at that, at that dinner uh, conversation and tells how, how, how the tanks will get transported. And they'll be on the flatbeds of the trucks and the train will be on its way to London, but it won't get to London. You know, it's gonna, and so he he has everything planned, and he says, if you if there aren't ships waiting, my men have the have 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 the uh whatever have the order yeah. the order to, like, to dump it in right, the water, dump it in the water at sunrise. <laughs> I'm just and and Father Hughes was really jumpy. It seems like he kept interrupting yeah, he, Tommy. Right, that soup is really delicious. Or like you know, we talked about this. We could talk about it later. Like it was obvious that Father Hughes had some some. I don't know, reservations about the plan maybe or something, but we'll learn about that right. soon. And you could also tell that Isabella was catching on to it. She was like, listen to what he has to say kind of thing. And she she was like looking at it too. Like, why is this man so concerned about what Tommy's saying? He's like, perhaps we'll, we'll, we'll uh, talk about the planet at later time. It's like, dude. Yep, that's... Yeah. So he was obvious about it. But I think the most important scene that we need to get to one of my favorite like scenes, honestly, I was telling you, like a top five to ten scene of the show was the scene with Vincente Cingretta and Tommy literally reaching his peak madness that we've seen in this show. Like he he looks like he's like he has the gloves on, he has his, you know, he's just into into his suspenders and his button down, and he has the look in his eye and he's like, Which part of you should I cut out first? Look at me, look at me, this is the end, this is the end. And he's like, it was your tongue that gave the order. He's about, to t- he's, about- he's about to cut out his tongue. And he's like, but wait, if I cut out your tongue, you won't be able to explain. And it's just super deep. And he's like, I'll take your balls first. You drain too fast like you fuckers do. He goes, no, the tongue first. Tongue first, tongue first. And he starts ripping the tongue and he just like hugs his head. And it was just a very intense scene. I did not know where he was going to go with it. I thought he was going to cut out the tongue. I thought he was going to cut out his eyes. I thought he was just going to like slit his throat. And then boom, Arthur finishes off, shoots him in the head after he says, I heard the blackbirds sing because Tommy's talking about how, you know, it's a beautiful sound outside and you can hear the birds chirping and you can hear the blackbirds singing. But, you know, he's saying he's saying it's it's dark right now. Right. I'm gonna keep you alive until it's light and the birds sing, right? Right. And he's like and he's like um he talks about how Grace won't be able to listen to that sound again. 
just oh, devastating. I couldn't watch. That was a hard one. That was, was a hard was, one for me to watch. Great. Honestly, it was great TV. Honestly, and Killian Murphy, give him an Emmy for this episode. The way he acted this episode, so many ebbs and flows of you know highs and lows of owning the priest and the lows of you know having to fucking do what he did with Changretta and live with that still on his mind, you know, finish the final blow, as he said, you know, you know, back then. You might've loved that. I, I, that was a hard one for me to love as a scene. It was great acting. I didn't love no, it, I know what but you it mean. was just it was, phenomenal. It was, it was riveting TV. I couldn't, I, right, even on the rewatch, right. I even kind of skipped through it a little bit, but I, bone chilling is the way I would describe it. I love the next few, the conversation with Ada, where he says, you can change what you do, but you can't change what you want. Such a great quote. And Ada's like, what do I want? Yeah, it was awesome. Right. And she's like, what do I want? Yeah, what do I want? And Tommy had a lot of great, a lot of great quotes in this episode. And it's funny how like when like someone's always like kind of questioning Tommy, he like has something that like appeals to them. Because Ada was like kind of like, what the fuck are you talking about, Tommy? And he's like, well, I have a job for you. She's like, Boston? He's like, yeah. And then she's like, all right, yeah, nice. All right. <laughs> I like yep. She's like, he's like, good night, love you. <laughs> After just questioning him. And then we have my favorite scene of the episode when he has our guy, uh, James Mockland, yeah. in the prison cell when his coppers pick him up and he asks him and he says, We heard you've been, you know, smuggling information about this robbery. And Mockland's like, Oh my God. Oh my God. He's a guy. Are you Tommy Shelby? And we're like, oh shit. And he's like, yes. And, and he goes, so tell me, tell me who you're feeding the information from. Who's giving you the information? And Moxley's like, what do you mean? Tommy says, well, they go by many names. The Economic League, Section D. What are the old? Committee. Yeah. The Odd Fellows. These are all the research that Josh did a few episodes ago. And Monklin starts to say like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. And then he goes, they're really dangerous people. And this is my favorite part. Tommy's yep. like, so are we. Are you more afraid so you of? So have to make a decision now, James. He goes, it's 11.43. Are you more afraid of Peaky Blinders at 11.43 or the Economic League sometime in the future? But I'll tell you right now, if you pick the wrong one, you're not going to see 11.44. And I was like, let's go. Tommy Shelby. That's just the, the adding another scene in his arsenal in this episode that Killian Murphy just delivers beautifully and poetically scares the living crap out of James Monklin. It cuts off the scene, so we know what happens. James Monklin made the right decision because he definitely learned uh, to see 1144. Yeah, it was Father Hughes who was it. And then there was one other scene that we didn't mention, and it was uh, a, a little throwaway with Polly getting her portrait done from Ruben. And we learned... I hate this storyline with a passion. It's just... It's such a yeah, throwaway. It, it's odd. It's an odd one, but we learned that that Polly was not educated at all. And then she goes, "You tell your friends you're painting a gangster." And I like Ruben. Ruben is a fucking suave motherfucker. He gives a great little line where he's like, "I took this twofold. Your face has many contradictions, which is a, a hell of a backhanded compliment." And then he's like, "I also plan to pursue you, and eventually have sex with you." Per, like praise god and she's like why would that praise god Didn't, isn't this like the it, he's like, isn't it it praise like the me. fourth time he's told her he wants to fuck her yeah i like him he, i just saw him in a, in a netflix right, show with right, sasha yeah. baron cohen you, called yeah, the spy that it's which i actually want to watch it looks pretty good it's a serious sasha baron cohen role which is something that we don't see but yes yeah it's like the fourth advance he's had at her but uh he's painting a portrait of her and she's it might must it must hurt to just like sit there like that for so long Okay, so we, we tabled this conversation from 3.2 to 3.3, and I think we have a little bit of time here before we do winners and losers to kind of debate 
whether we think that Grace could have lasted in this show. And I'll tell you right now, guys, you know what? Let's do it after Winners and Losers, and let's make it a spoiler-filled discussion. Okay, we'll do do the first one we've done. Let's knock out winners and losers right now, and then we'll do a discussion of whether we think Grace could have lasted with what we know through season five. So don't worry, this is going to be spoiler-free this next few minutes, and then we'll give you a full 30 seconds to turn it off before we do a little discussion, testing a thing that we want to talk about where we're going to save spoilers for the end. So my winner, my winner is Tatiana, okay? Tatiana, still looking good. She obviously got the last laugh with the Sapphire, and... The guy that she's pursuing is now single, who she obviously wants to sleep with. And at the end, she gets him to tell her some information. I don't know. It was a weak episode for winners. It wasn't a lot of winners. I've got an honorable mention one of the gypsies that are all going to party. <laughs> yeah, the sapphire was yeah, given to them. a fucking party tonight. But my winner yeah. is going to be Michael because he got more powerful in this episode, in my opinion. He, you know show that he really wants to get involved. He wants to be more a part of, like, you know, the legit... The, it's 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 ironic, because the more legitimate business is, if you want to be a Shelby, is to, you know, get involved in, like, the tough shit. So he wants to get involved in the tough shit and be, and be you know, one of the boys, as we said earlier. So Michael is my winner because he fired that bullet, and I feel like, you know, a little, a little courage and conviction got, you know, injected into his soul. So I'm going to go with Michael as my winner. Okay, that's a good one. I've got my loser... As, huh, let's see, I'm torn between two. You do your loser. Let me see if our losers are one of the same, and then I'll say the other one. My loser is going to be Charlie, man. Poor Charlie. He's, his father is losing his shit. He just lost his mother. I mean, Charlie could have been the, ep- the loser of the last episode if we really wanted it to be because he lost his damn mother. And Tommy is not, like, it doesn't seem like he's going to be able to take care of a child. But on his own, in this giant house, this he's going to be lonely in this house. It's going to suck, and it's just not the way someone should be raised, and he's just not coming into the world in the right way. So Charlie is my loser. That's funny. I was going to uh, – Charlie was on my, my short list for winner because we've never seen him spend so much time with his parents. We've actually never seen a kid <laughs> spend so much time with their parent than in this episode. That is very true, so I guess it's a silver lining for a little Charles, but it's under very uh, bad circumstances. And then no, neither of those were going to be my losers. I'm going with John. John just keeps fucking up. He was your loser last episode for causing this whole shit show. He's now my loser because it's still all his fault. This whole Chan Greta thing is 1,000% his fault. He went too far. He threatened Angel's kneecaps, and now Grace is dead. And Tommy is almost like, you know what? I don't think Tommy even knows that that John has kind of stretched this too far. It's almost like they haven't given Tommy the whole information because it is John's fault. That Grace is dead. And then he lets Miss Changretta leave, and that's going to be an issue. Do you think that Tommy's kind of, you know, tirade in the beginning, his blow-up, where he said, since my wife took a bullet that was meant for me, kind of at John, was directed at John, thinking that this is all John's fault? Do you think that? No, I I don't think he meant that. I think he just thought they were trying to kill him because he's the leader. And it was kind of Tommy's fault. Remember when he got his high and mighty... You know what was it, Miss Apology and Mister Compromise shit? Yeah. And then yeah, he's like, yeah, you know what? No, just take definitely. two fucking pubs. No, he could have just apologized and it would have been fine, and Grace wouldn't be because dead. he didn't want to seem weak in front of them. You know, if they don't like to to make the possibility of war seem, you know, hopeless. Yeah, no, that's that's true. But poor John, man, poor John. He he got orders to kill his teacher, but he at least he didn't kill her. That's true. He didn't kill her, and she's like, I used to slap your ass. 
And Arthur, I used to let you get away with things with that sly smile. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what would you give this episode? It got an 8.9 on IMDb. I don't know, man. Just like that scene with with Vigente and Tommy itself, we should get this uh, just intensity and bone chilling, you know, acting and directing. I I would have to give this episode like a nine point four, nine point five. Oh, this was a good one. I didn't like it that much. I'd say somewhere in the eight point seven to nine point one range Damn. was really good. Okay, fine. You know, I'm gonna go with a nine point three. How about that? No, it's fine. I just I just personally wasn't as connected to those scenes as you were. Just, I uh, yeah. I, I really liked the gun scene, and I really liked the Tommy with the rat scene. I liked those. I also think that this was an important episode for the progression of the plot because we get insight into yes. the whole you know grand plan a little bit. So I think it was just a very important you know things are progressing. The Chingretas are like in the back burner. You know, I mean for now we don't know the the mother is is alive and we don't know what's gonna happen when Vincente gets killed. But it's. It's it's a very important episode, in my opinion, to to make the season progress. No doubt about it. And the mom does not seem like uh, she doesn't seem like an unformidable foe. She seems like she can hold her own. Right. So we'll see there. And so now what we're gonna do is we're gonna take like twenty seconds. We're not gonna talk, and I'm just gonna ramble. And anyone that has not seen past three point three or has not finished season five should stop. Don't listen. Don't listen. Okay? Right now, press pause. Press pause on your device. Go to delete from library. Wait for the next episode. And we're going to talk about whether Grace could last in this show. Because I don't think that her story and her arc could get to six seasons. You know, I just don't... Josh thinks so. Josh is a huge Grace fan. I love Grace too. But now that I've seen it a couple times... I think it was perfectly meant to be a two season, two and a half season kind of situation for this. She, because at the end of the day, she's a cop who nearly got all the Shelby's killed by ratting on them to Inspector Campbell, who almost had them killed. I mean, okay, so we can talk about anything right now, like where we are in season five right now. Yeah, but in this conversation about Grace. Right, so I totally agree with you that Grace could not possibly have been in the show, like, to this date. She would be so out of place in the political climate and, like, with everything going on. There's And we and we don't know how Grace would have reacted to, like, how things change, you know? What if she sided with, you know, like, the Jesse Edens of the world and, you know what I mean? She just, like, it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't fit in. It just would never go with Polly. That's, I mean, I don't even, uh, yes, that's a whole nother level with the political situations and it all turns into politics. Although I think she might be, a, like, she would be a pretty solid first lady to Tommy when no, he joins de- no, the, the House of Commons. But just, I, just, yeah. I just don't think Polly would ever get it through her head that she was one of them. And then imagine bringing in, like, Abrahama Gold and different people like that and having them learn that Grace was a snitch who worked for the Coppas, like, no, it just Oh, wouldn't. and I mean... Especially her side of the family, too. Like, that's just, that's crossing the line. That oh, that whole wedding was so uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, with also seeing, like, uh, Luca Cingretta, like, and how vicious he was, she was going to be gone anyways. Oh, my God. Like, she she would have been the first one. Oh, yeah, she was doomed. You know, it's like, you you marry a king, and, and, it's, and it's, like, one of the most dangerous things ever because you're on assassination watch at all times, so... He, uh, it, it, I, I totally agree. I don't think, I, I think maybe, you know, throughout the rest of season three, she would have been good with that plot a little bit and doing her, you know, Grace Shelby stuff and 
taken care of. She probably would have been with Charles a lot. Maybe would have seen we would have seen more Charles, man. That's possible. Oh man! <laughs> and then you mentioned it. Luca Changretta wouldn't even be a storyline without Grace. Right. Exactly. Because you know the, the Changretta plot would not have you know dragged it, on. It really would have changed things. And it's like at the time I was like so I was so angry. At Stephen well, Knight. five days ago, this was going to be a legitimate argument, and now you've sided with me, and that's less fun. Because I'm looking at, like, season four and five, like... I know, like, it just wouldn't know, like, happen. In a vacuum, you know what I mean? Yeah, it just couldn't happen. How do you think... Last yeah. question here. How do you think Tommy's character could have changed seasons three, four, and five when he really goes off the rails, when he basically sends all of them to the, to the gallows to get hung, just... Or hang, excuse me. When he sends them all there... How do you think it would have changed if Grace was alive for all that? I mean, she 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 grounded the man, and he, he didn't have nightmares with her. Yeah, he you know she was like, and we didn't see like you know the opium. She he he, he kind of like you know when his character was progressing, he was doing a lot of the opium, and then when he started to fall in love with Grace a little bit, he kind of got off of it. We didn't really see that, so he helped. She helped him with you know the like the 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 PTSD that he was really dealing with, and then right when she when she left, he went off the rails again. And it's like without Grace, it was like she was she was his drug. She was like kind of like sedated him in a way, like all the time, and kept him grounded. That's that's the thing I was I was most frustrated with is that like Tommy went off the rails, and it could have been so damn avoided. And then like one like one little thing sets off a chain reaction. Like John Shelby is to blame for it all. It's crazy when you really think about it. All because he's a, a little jealous of Lizzie. All of it. it, and it's crazy to think like Lizzie. Like, like you would never have thought that Lizzie would be so vital in it. You know, she she low key is the centerpiece to Peaky Blinders. She is the catalyst. She's the most important character. Think where we would be without Lizzie Shelby, or if she had just married John. That is and just become a normal housewife. It, it's insane. Like, and it kind of makes you wonder back then. Like, did did Tommy have like? Did, did he have feelings for her this whole time from the beginning, even when he was fucking her as his whore? I don't think, if we're being honest, I don't think Tommy ever had feelings for Lizzie. Right, because I mean, and then, but it's crazy how Lizzie, at the end of the day, who has always been in love with Tommy, sets off the chain reaction basically to get Grace killed, and then we lose Grace, and Tommy ends up with Lizzie. And it's just so ironic, I think, because in that way, like, you know, Lizzie's worked in the last few, in the last few seasons very well. She, she's been u- utilized very well as a character. Yeah. I mean, she wasn't in the final episode of the final season or of the fifth season, which is weird, but she was with Charles at his, uh, violin, uh, violin recital. Lizzie, yeah. Yeah, All exactly, right. Exactly. There you go. Well, look, we got to wrap this up. You know what? I think maybe we'll start to add this segment into, into the episode. I like it. Just, I like it. I just like to have it. a little one to two minute watch. It's always nice to look in a hindsight lens. So let's, uh, Let's let's think of different things that we can have as like one-liner questions for you guys at home because I want you guys to send us your thoughts of whether you think that Grace could have lasted through seasons four, five, and and leading up to six and all of that fun stuff. Or how would she have even dealt with the Russian situation? Because she seemed to be pretty down with it in the first and second episode of this season. So let's have that question out in the open for you guys. We'll think of another one for next episode. Or if you guys have a good question for us to be our talking point, we'll think of a good name for this spoiler section as well here on the Peaky Podcast. Keep an eye out for episode 3.4. We'll be recording it soon as we continue our rewatch. Go like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast at By Order of Peaky on Twitter and B-O-O-T Peaky Blinders at gmail.com. Wrapping up this episode, he's Josh, I'm Daniel, and we binge so you don't have to. Past the mills, past the stack.
Together in the storm comes a tall, handsome man in a dusty black coat with a red right 